a government donation drive has raised 300 million NT for Ukrainian refugees in just five days. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu announced the figure on Monday. He said that a first installment of 100 million NT will soon be transferred to the government of Poland, which is accepting Ukrainian refugees. We have heard the strong voice of the Taiwanese people. They are saying, I care about this and I want to help. At this moment, I and many other Taiwanese people are saying, I am Ukrainian. All of my friends already joined territorial defense in Ukraine. With this help, we can stay longer and we're going to have less people dying every day. I'm really proud of all Taiwanese people who donated to Ukraine. This is very touching. Until March 18th, the foreign ministry will also collect donations of goods for Ukraine. On Monday, locals were seen braving the rain to deliver boxes to items to the ministry's office. Amid the crisis in Ukraine, China has refused to impose sanctions on Russia, while nationalists have cheered on Putin's aggression. In a video that's recently gone viral, a Chinese teacher criticizes Ukraine, calling it a regrettable country that wasted its military inheritance from the Soviet era. Here in Taiwan, one expert says that China's attitude today is ironic because Ukraine had been essential to China's military modernization. According to the expert, China depended on Ukraine as a key source of naval technology, including its first aircraft carrier. Ukraine is a prodigal son. It inherited a huge military arsenal from the Soviet Union, but now it's become the most regrettable country. A teacher in China disparages Ukraine in front of her students in a video that has gone viral. Ukraine was the most spendthrift country in the late 20th century. When the Soviet Union disintegrated as a second in line, Ukraine received a huge military inheritance. The video's negative portrayal of Ukraine is a reflection of pro-Russia sentiment in China. It might be ironic that China relied on Ukraine for its first aircraft carrier, the Liaoning. During the Soviet era, many important shipyards were in Ukraine. In the beginning, Ukraine's economy was in a very sorry state. It sold whatever it had. Communist China indeed acquired a great deal of military equipment and technology from Ukraine. China's Liaoning carrier was only half finished when it was purchased by China from Ukraine. Even the fighter it carries, the Shenyang J-15, was developed from a Su-33 prototype acquired from Ukraine. China's Zubra-class air cushion landing craft and gas turbines can all be traced back to Ukraine. The Zubra-class air cushion landing craft has an extremely fast cruising speed. It can overcome any terrain and is capable of landing on 70% of the world's coastline. For Russia, it might be a source of concern that the CCP purchased these weapons, that China might use them the same way that Russia does. Russia might be worried that with these arms, China could overtake Russia or even become a threat to Russia's status in the future. Under a widespread arms embargo, Beijing had built up its navy using technology from cash-strapped Ukraine. But in the wake of Russia's invasion, China's relationship with Ukraine is souring fast. With Russia's invasion at a stalemate, Ukraine has launched a recruitment website for foreign fighters. The fighters gives detailed instructions for volunteers who want to join Ukraine's international legion. Taiwan's foreign, foreign ministry says it discourages but will not prohibit nationals from joining. Let's hear from the foreign ministry.
We recommend that Taiwanese avoid traveling to Ukraine for the time being. That is the government's position. But some of our citizens may wish to volunteer in the defense effort for the sake of justice, and we fully understand this position. According to foreign media reports, more than 3,000 U.S. nationals and 70 Japanese nationals have enlisted to fight Russia. Ukraine's foreign ministry says it's received applications from about 20,000 people in 52 countries, mostly from Europe. The new power party wants reforms to the military's mandatory service policy. It proposes extending the conscription period from four months to one year. It also wants to introduce obligatory military service for women. The call for reform comes amid high tensions across the strait and a war in Ukraine, where civilians and soldiers are taking a stand against Russia. The Economist headline reads, Ukraine has changed how Taiwanese see themselves. The piece says Ukraine's bravery has lit a fire within the Taiwanese people who see parallels between Vladimir Putin's aggression and what Xi Jinping might someday do to Taiwan. On Monday, new power party lawmakers called for restoring the one-year conscription period in Taiwan. To strengthen our reserve combat capabilities, we should restore the conscription system for a mandatory period of one year. In order to support this extension to the mandatory service period, the Defense Ministry must draw on painfully learned lessons and initiate a comprehensive reform of its military training and its reservist training. Reform is not as simple as restoring mandatory service of one, two years or however long. Right now, the most urgent task is adjustments to our reserve forces, and that will begin this year. DPP lawmaker Wang Dingyu said that for Taiwan, the top priority is to enhance reservist training. Even so, the new power party urges conscription of both men and women. Women should be included for multiple forms of compulsory participation. We don't only need soldiers on the front line. We should take into account all the human resources that are behind the logistics of society. There are ways to serve one's country. Today, there are many forms of military service that require all sorts of different talent. I don't think we should distinguish between male and female here. The proposed changes to conscription would affect much of Taiwan's able-bodied population. Public opinion is split. Restoring conscription? I'd agree with that, because it's up to us to defend our country. It's up to us to save our country, that's true. But the saving should be done by those who are willing to do it. Should it be compulsory to fight for one's country? The question has once again set off public debate. Do you celebrate Arbor Day? The global festival celebrates all things arboreal as people plant trees, climb trees, and study trees. The Taitung County government celebrates Arbor Day annually. This year, there's a special plan in store. A local tree became a sensation by being featured in a commercial with Taiwan's eternal heartthrob, Takeshi Kaneshiro. Although the Takeshi Kaneshiro tree hit hard times, officials have a plan to help it flourish across the county. Dozens of seedlings sit in a row, their fragile green stalks reaching bravely for the sun, much the same as every young plant. But these are a special bunch. They're all descended from Takashi Kaneshiro. The seeds in the gardener's hand are all taken from the famous tree. Seven years ago, Takeshi Kaneshiro starred in a commercial with the slogan, I see you. 
and viewers of the ad also saw this magnificent bishop wood tree in Chishang Township. When it was uprooted by a typhoon just the following year, an uproar ensued. A Japanese tree surgeon flew to Taiwan just to help out. And now, to celebrate Arbor Day 2022, Taidong has cultivated 600 bishop wood seedlings. They'll be given to locals to grow their own little Takashi Kanishiros. We have a tree giving project every year. We thought perhaps we can grow seeds from the Takeshi Kaneshiro tree. The seeds it's dropped. We brought them home and asked our tree nursery chief to start growing them. The bishop wood tree is not hard to grow. It grows fast and about 90% of seeds germinate successfully, but they can fall prey to hungry birds. This one is more than two months old, almost three months old. If a member of the public takes it home, they can let it grow a little bit more and then transplant it. The only thing is, it will have some diseases and pests like caterpillars. The person who plants it will have to pay some attention. The bishop wood is very easy to care for. Thanks to Kaneshiro's star power, this magnificent tree became a beloved landmark. Now its descendants will spread out across Taidong. Maybe years from now, they'll provide shade for our great-grandchildren. Laxer COVID restrictions are now in effect. Starting today, international arrivals will undergo a shorter quarantine of 10 days down from 14. The borders have also opened up for non-resident foreign business travelers. Also starting today, quarantine taxi drivers are allowed to pick up regular customers as long as they disinfect and ventilate their vehicle 30 minutes prior. Travelers wait in the lounge for the PCR tests. On Monday, Taiwan cut its mandatory quarantine for international travelers from 14 to 10 days. In addition, the borders are now open to non-resident foreign business travelers with an entry permit. About 10,000 business travelers are expected to enter Taiwan this week. In the foreseeable future, more and more travelers will enter the community. Taiwan's most important policy now is to get everyone fully vaccinated to counter the impact of the virus. With border controls easing, Taiwan will increase its isolation capacity to handle a potential surge in demand. The goal is to raise capacity to 7,000 within a month. The CECC is in talks with quarantine hotels to hit the target as soon as possible. COVID rules have also been eased for quarantine taxi drivers. Previously, drivers were only allowed to service international arrivals. Now they can also take regular passengers as long as they disinfect their vehicle and let it air out for 30 minutes beforehand. After we wipe down the patient beds, the bedsides and the surroundings, and when we disinfect the environment, we let everything sit for 30 minutes. That's to achieve a more complete disinfection. If you wipe down a surface with bleach or alcohol and you touch it immediately after, you might touch virus that's not completely killed yet. We have put up dividers in our vehicles. Over the Lunar New Year, we were asked to also wear PPE. The new rules say that we should keep wearing the PPE. We'll be wearing gloves, masks and PPE when we pick up passengers. COVID restrictions have also been eased for crew of domestic airlines. Upon returning to Taiwan, crew on long-haul flights will still have to quarantine for five days. But after that, they'll only need to undergo five days of self-help management, down from nine. Crews on short-haul flights won't need to do seven days of formal self-help management, although they'll still need to monitor their health for seven days. 
In the wake of last Thursday's national backout, the cabinet has approved the resignations of Thai Power's leadership. According to cabinet spokesman, the premier has signed off the resignations of Thai Power chairman Yang Weifu and general manager Song Bing Li. The cabinet also ordered an incident investigation report from the economics ministry. One scholar notes that the Long Chi Extra High Voltage substation is an important hub for electricity transmission from the south to the north. According to the expert, the mass blackout occurred due to flaws in the safety mechanisms of the substation and Xingda power plant. The scholar said the government should establish an independent supervisory task force for Taiwan's complex power grid. Officials have broken ground on a new care home at the Lesun Sanatorium and Hospital in Taoyuan. The home is expected to open in 2024, offering beds for 135 indigenous patients who require long-term care. On Monday, the health minister and Taoyuan's mayor turned sod to signal the start of the construction, marking a new chapter for the historic sanatorium. Wielding golden shovels, officials break ground in a new long-term care facility at Lesheng Sanatorium and Hospital. The ceremony was attended by Taoyuan Mayor Zhang Wenchan and Health Minister Chen Shizhong. There are many indigenous residents in Taoyuan and New Taipei, so establishing a long-term care facility for indigenous people is absolutely a good direction for the future. This will just be the first facility. More will be built in the future. Among the six special municipalities, Taoyuan has the biggest indigenous population, followed by New Taipei. The new care facility will be built right on the border between the two cities. In 2019, the Ministry of Health and Welfare secured 370 million NT for the project from the Forward-Looking Infrastructure Development Program. The completed facility will have two underground floors and five floors above ground, with a capacity of 135 beds. Altogether, the indigenous populations of New Taipei and Taoyuan exceed 150,000 people. So this location at the border between the two municipalities is very suitable. In the future, we will provide cultural sensitivity training for the carers who will work with the indigenous patients. We will also form a volunteer team here. The building is expected to open in 2024. It will be part of Lesheng's pre-existing ecosystem of care services, which already serves a group of residents. Once complete, the Milestone facility will be Taiwan's first long-term care home for indigenous people. Let's head now to Shida Night Market in Taipei to meet a beloved local stall owner. Every day at 4 p.m., Wu Tianao opens his fish soup stall for hungry customers. The soup is a favorite midnight snack among students from National Taiwan Normal University. But Wu has not always been a chef. He spent the first half of his life involved in criminal gangs, only to turn his back on crime a decade ago. Let's hear a story. This street stall is thronged with customers queuing up every evening. They come for the famous fish soup. A pot full of fish and homemade stock bubbles furiously. The chef gets up around 2 or 3 a.m. every day to go and select fish in Jilung's Kanza Ding fish market. He only uses deep sea marlin belly in the soup, so it's all soft and chewy. 
but preparing it takes four hours daily. Sometimes deep sea fish have pockmarks from microorganisms, which all have to be taken care of one by one. The soup is not over flavoured, just seasoned with some carefully chosen strips of ginger and green onions. That allows the fish to shine. And of course, to accompany the soup, you need rice. Braised pork rice with fish flakes is another famous dish at the stall. It only uses pork gel, no fatty bits. So the dish isn't oily, but rather jumps fresh out of the dish. The chef was inspired by an unforgettable meal he ate in southern Taiwan. He really left a big impression on me, so I went back there to find him, and I bothered him until he agreed to teach me, so I worked in their restaurant for free. Now 39, Chef Wu makes no secret of his troubled early life. He was involved in criminal gangs for 17 years, before having an epiphany and deciding to give up crime to set up a business. I met many setbacks which I used to think were gang morality and justice, but in the end I realized everything can be destroyed by money. That's when I finally woke up. I thought I should face up to my life properly. Those years of confusion left Wu grateful for a chance to lead a more grounded life. He puts his all into making each dish the best it can be. After nine years in the kitchen, he's won the heart of many local foodies and become a cherished part of the NTNU culinary scene. Taipei's changing demographics has earned a title, Taiwan's first super-age city. But ageism is an invisible prejudice we often overlook. For older adults who want to rent an apartment, even finding a home is a challenge. Now, one company has opened an apartment complex carefully designed to welcome the older renter. We paid them a visit to find out what makes this place special. Miss Chen, 88, plays the piano confidently while a neighbour in her 60s sings along. This happy scene belies the arduous search for a home Miss Chen has just concluded. Up until three months ago, a string of landlords were closing the door to her just because of her age. I would go and look and they'd say I was elderly and they'd say, we don't rent to old people here. Just thinking about the move was frightening. I don't have the energy for it. But now a commercial lettings company has spotted this commercial niche. They renovated three disused commercial hotels in Taipei, especially for the older rental demographic. This property in Zhongshan was formerly a Greenworld Hotel. It was bought by a developer for 332 million NT. And while they wait for planning permission from the Urban Development Bureau, they've leased it out to this letting agent for three years. The lifelong homes property welcomes renters from older generations. Because of the pandemic, many hotels and inns have folded. There are managers and community secretaries with a lot of awareness, so it's more thoughtful and heartfelt, and we provide more care to these elderly residents. The old hotel rooms have been repainted. Each is five to eight ping of space and comes furnished with essential items. There are handrails in the bathroom for extra safety. All 47 units are currently let, and the renters include students, 
office workers and the elderly all together. Residents say this mixture of ages is a blessing. In Taipei, about 70% of homes are apartment blocks 30 years old or more. So they may pose some obstacles to a potential elderly resident. Letting to an older person may cause the landlord some unexpected difficulties, and renting itself poses some challenges for older people anyway. The rental market has historically been harsh to older people, but now companies are noticing the demand. Making use of an abandoned hotel also means Taipei's property is better used. Why leave a good home empty when you could open it up to a community like this? Taichung is leading the way on a new green scheme. A winter cold front is here, and that means heat packs are selling like hotcakes. But do you know what to do with a heat pack once it's finished? In Taichung, you can now recycle it rather than throwing it in the trash. That helps reduce incinerator waste. When it's cold, you can reach for a heat pack to get an instant boost of warmth. Until now, most heat packs have been thrown straight in the trash after use. But in the future, you'd better take care if you're in Taichung. The city is Taiwan's first to institute collection and recycling of heat packs. Last year, we announced a trial recycling scheme, and in one year, we recycled almost 10,000 packs, which weighed almost 340 kilograms. Here comes a recycling truck. Look carefully, and you spot a notice saying, put heat packs in the recycling. The Environmental Protection Bureau explains that heat packs contain activated charcoal, which has an anti-odor property that can be useful in a recycling center trash heap. In contrast, it cannot decompose after incineration. If you burn it, it will in fact cause more sediment to build up in the incinerator. If you take the sand particles out to burn them, they're still sand. So it reduces the processing power of the incinerator. As the temperature drops, heat packs grow in popularity. And here's a hot tip to extend the life of each pack. If you're not using it, place it inside a plastic pocket like the ones used at school or in the kitchen. Squeeze out any air and close the pocket tight. When you go to take it out later, it'll still be hot.